So this conversation will be held by uh, me and Arun Anand, who is a senior journalist and author of Ram Janamuni, Truth, Evidence, and Faith, and he has also written other books uh, associated with the life histories of Sir Sangha Chalaks of uh, Rashtriya Swayam Sevak Sangh. So in this, I will be taking contrarian point of view uh, with Arun on numerous occasions, uh, just to uh, uh, have that degree of frankness with the listeners. You know, uh, we have had many conversations on many issues. and shared podium so this time uh, i will be taking that contrarian position and if we will have good questions people want to come in we will invite them so arun when i invited you uh, i said we will have a discussion on the secretarian uh, fishes in kerala and especially in context of uh, narcotic jihad and why was there an urge and need to revisit uh, the mopla issue so i would like you to uh, take us through why was there an urge to take up the mopla issue at a national level by rss uh, because rss was uh, already uh, you know working on it at district level in kerala and uh, why is it important now after so many years arun yeah kartike was first of all thank you for uh, inviting me and thank you all the listeners who are taking out time to hear this conversation and uh, see kartike uh, i think uh, the key reason that uh, this issue of uh, hindu genocide in uh, what in uh, what you call the mopla riots uh, of 1920s so the key reason is basically because now there is a context uh so there the rss uh, has been raising this issue and in fact if you'll go a little bit into the history ambedkar had also raised this issue even any besant had raised this issue then savarkar had raised this issue but because of the domination of the uh, left historians uh, so this issue had not been able to come up uh, you know that forcefully but now what is happening because we are celebrating the 70 see there are two or three important things why i say that there is a context because you suddenly cannot overnight you know get up and say that okay let's start talking about the hindu genocide and uh, mopla riots there has to be a context as you know we say in journalism there has to be a hook because if you are taking up some issue so the hook here is one that uh, it's the 100 years of khilafat movement and uh, also can say the 100 years of uh, the uh, mopla riots and uh, genocide of hindus there so that provides a context and then on top of that we have the 75th anniversary of india's independence uh, which we are celebrating as amrit mahotsav so there is a uh context which helps us to revisit some of the historical events which have been projected in a certain manner but there is an alternative view point to that and uh, there is enough historical evidence of that also about which we will discuss later so this is the reason that uh, and now uh, there is another context uh, that the radicalization which has been on rise in kerala Uh, i'll give you a very interesting uh, uh, thing that the outgoing 
and these see what is happening kartik is that the state government uh, the cpim government there the left government there it's in a state of denial so and so it it is very important you know that on platforms like this we need to raise this issue because it's it's a in a state and why i say that it's in a state of denial i'll give you an example uh, the outgoing uh, um, kerala dgp loknath behra uh recently uh, said i think around in june uh, just 30 days before he was about to uh, quit his post uh so he had specifically said that the uh, islamic sleeper cells exist in kerala and he had said in an interview that according to the intelligence inputs kerala is a major recruiting ground for islamic state as people here are educated and the is requires professionals like engineers and doctors i'm quoting specifically from uh, this thing and now 45 days after that the kerala chief minister the uh, state government kerala state government in a written reply to a question in assembly the question was raised by indian union muslim league legislators i'm naming them also mk munir najib kanthpuram ua latif and p abdul hamid i'm talking about specific details so that you know it it's not about uh, the, there is no kind of ex- generalization uh, otherwise log keh dete hain ki chalo bhai theek hai unhone kaha tha par main isliye bata raha hu taki listeners jo hai wo isko ja kar dobara search kar sakte hain they can search again and they can go uh, in more detail and uh, so what does the uh, state government say in the written reply there is no information about islamic state sleeper cells operating in the state the chief minister himself said in the reply i am quoting the government has not received reports from the police or any agencies indicating islamic sleeper cells operating in the state aur ye jo cheez hai 45 din pehle 45 days before this statement the police chief outgoing police chief loknath behra in a television interview had said that islamic sleeper cells exist in kerala so to sum up the whole thing one that there is a there is a context because of the completion of 100 years of uh, khilafat movement and uh, and this mopla <clears throat> uh, genocide uh, hindu genocide in mopla region it was an outcome of basically one of the outcomes of khilafat movement so uh, that provides the context then there is 75th anniversary of india's independence uh, that provides a context to revisit the historical incidents uh, which were part of you can say i have to which has been provided uh, in this thing is uh, as i said you know uh, that the bishop uh, now this is not an rss uh person or an rss functionary who is saying this it's a, a, a bishop uh, joseph uh, kalaran ghat uh, who is bishop of palai he has come out categorically categorically accusing a section of muslim community for targeting christian girls through love jihad and narcotics उट दस्ट बट मे बी आई वु से दैट इक्वेटिंग 
Khilafat movement uh, with uh, Bopla would be a false equivalence. They might be uh, th- th- those are two things which might have had together. Uh, but then uh, the dimension of Khilafat and Bopla were they are two different things. Uh, Khilafat was something which was well thought of strategy uh, by then. Uh, Gandhi, who thought that who could, who can you know utilize the sentiments of the minority so that uh, it could be marshaled for the freedom struggle. Now, the criticism of Gandhi has been that uh, why did he has to play with the send religious sentiments? Uh, but then, religion is deeply entrenched in part of uh, Indian political movement. Uh, for example. In Maharashtra, uh, Ganesh uh, Mahotsav was uh, very uh, publicly utilized by the freedom fighters like Tilak to create a national fervor. Uh, similarly, uh, though now we, we see it from the context of global Islam and the sort of uh, uh, the issue of terrorism. Uh, which uh, you know affects all of us, but that was not the context at that point of time. Uh, the argument is that well, you know, uh, Gandhi instead of uh, you know uh, looking at the national movement from a non-sectarian perspective, uh, you know, he tried to marshal the sentiment of a community on uh, religious sentiments. But then uh, it is different from what happened in Mopla, which was violence. And there are multiple perspectives on it, which is class. Uh, the religion part has been argued by you, uh, which uh, I think uh, Mr. Nandu Kopal, uh, who, 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 you know, in one of the interviews said it, that the fact that a lot of people were killed, there has to be a genocide memorial. But on this, I would like to uh, invite uh, Jaideep, uh, who's the editor of News9, Life, Jaideep, I, I I want to ask you, you know, is 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 it only about uh, is it only about restoration of truth, or do you feel that uh, there is a layer of contemporary politics uh, which is involved? And then we'll go to the issue of uh, narcotic jihad. Jaideep. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Uh, you know, I think uh, this is in a sense. Uh, I I think you should one you should begin with a response to what Arun said. And go back a little bit and look at this region uh, as a specific part of con- of this country, which has a certain set of attributes which are sort of unique to it, and not just this region, but it also extends all the way up the Konkan coast to uh, to Mangalore and beyond, all the way up to Karwa, because it's a it, this is sort of very unique in the sense that it's a very syncretic kind of a um, of a region, and uh, you know if you uh, if you read works by people like uh, MGS Narayanan, the historian, he's spoken about how there, that there is a unique aspect of symbiosis to this uh, part of the country, which is not perhaps seen in many other parts of the country, where um, there is both cultural as well as uh, economic interdependence uh, between the various communities that, are, uh, uh, that have made Kerala their home. The, uh, the Syrian Christians, for instance, the uh, the Muslim communities, as well as the Hindu communities. There is a lot of interdependence, both culturally as well as uh, economically. So if, if, for instance, you um, uh, look at a festival like Onam, um, you have celebrations of harvest 
taking place in households which might not just belong to uh, the Hindu faith. And you have people visiting each other's homes on festivals, on festival days that might be specific to a particular region. And this is something that has happened uh, over the years because of the way in which Kerala has, has, has developed. But it is true that there are two factors that have sort of contributed to, I think, the schisms that have, uh, that have developed. One is um, that there is a growing inequality. I mean, you know, one of the things that used to happen, especially between, say, Christians and, uh, and Muslims in Kerala, is that they actually occupied parts of the state which were not together. You know, they were almost physically distant. And there was some sort of a compartmentalization that happened as far as these two communities were concerned. That combined with the fact that there was interdependence, interdependence meant that there was a certain amount of harmony. But there has been a, a marked difference as far as, uh, you know, inequality between the various communities is concerned. And that has caused uh, some of the friction uh, that is manifesting itself in these various ways, narcotic jihad and so on. That's one. The other thing is that we must not discount the fact that this is viewed as an opportunity by political forces in order to deepen the schisms. And uh, we saw this happen in uh, Dakshin Kannada. And it's, a, it's no different uh, from what's happening in Kerala. In Dakshin Kannada, this was a project that was undertaken by the Sangh uh, in order to find another. Uh, and the other in Dakshin Kannada was, was the Muslim uh, community. Uh, if you see, if you go to places like Suratkal or Bhatkal, you will see that uh, the, a community which was once very integrated into society slowly started becoming uh, a part of the other. And this was a, a very deliberate project that was under, undertaken in order to create these divisions. And uh, I, can, I can tell you that there is a very similar trend that is taking place in, in Kerala. And this is not, in my view, um, uh, it does not bode well at all. So I think that we must take a look at what it was and what it became and why it became what it became uh, as one of the aspects to consider. And I agree with Arun that um, radicalization uh, is, uh, is definitely a problem and it does manifest itself. But I think we must actually take a step back and look at why this radicalization has actually happened or what, in a sense, facilitated this uh, kind of radicalization. Thanks. You, you know, Jaydeep, you, uh, you raised a very important point, you know, uh, I think Arun has joined us, you know, uh, as a speaker, but before I go to Arun, uh, there is something which happened in Kerala uh, in 2010, the very infamous Joseph uh, incident, where uh, PFI cut his hands off because uh, the charge was that, you know, he, he has uh, used the language uh, which was disrespectful uh, to both uh, Prophet and uh, Islam. And uh, subsequently, even when they left uh, at that point of time and was in power, said that he sh uh, the gentleman should be reinstated, he was not. And uh, the church also took a very different position. They did not support him. So that if, you, if we look at the uh, economic uh, uh, morphology of Kerala, uh, in context of the political parties, there are a couple of things uh, which come to fore. The one is that there are... You know, you had the emergence of the uh, Muslim community in educational institutions and in technical institutions in other places in the last 10 years. But after independence, the community which actually, I wouldn't use the word ran Kerala, but had a substantial say in it, uh, was the Christian community. They ran the educational institutions. 
they had a same political party in fact the uh, the, the congress as a party uh, you know they they had a very important say in it uman chandi ak anthony i can just go on and uh, they they had a you know they were in industry they were in education they were in business so the sort of the competition which has uh, taken place uh, between the two communities together uh, and that too after uh, uh, the uh, passing away of karna karan uh, sidelining of uman chandi and ak anthony in the congress party and suddenly you know the church grappling with that uh, lost space because when we locate uh, religion sectarianism or communism generally it gets located uh, in the paradigm of hindutva hindutva versus this religion hindutva versus that religion but if in this context what is unique is that it is happening between uh two religions uh in kerala and that is why you know you have the word like marx jihad narcotic jihad not to say that in north india you had this land jihad and love jihad happening so arun coming to you uh, in this context of jihad and the changing uh topography uh in kerala do you see that uh, it is happening out of social processes uh, because of changing demography changing uh, economic function of the community or you or you feel that there is an issue as uh, jaydi was saying of islamic radicalization in kerala harun see uh, you know kartik there are multiple factors actually because of which uh, this is happening one is that if you look at uh, you know the historical a little bit uh, if you go into history uh the arab world from where this radicalization is being uh, kind of uh, exported here so kerala had uh, the connections with arab world uh, even before islam had come there so prior to you know the 7th century ad and uh, at that time uh, i think perumal was uh, the king and the hindu dynasty was there so they had their so the influence of the arab world and then it got uh, multiplied when uh, if we see over the last few decades when they started going to you know the gulf so we know that there is a large uh, population of expats basically who lives there and who are from kerala and they have brought back with, of course when you live there for decades you bring back you know lot of cultural influences also so that is one but i i won't say that is a deciding and there's lot of money which is coming from there which is being pumped here in terms of creating an organizational or institutional structure for islamic radicalization you have uh, organizations like pfi you have organizations like jamate islami uh, which are at the core of uh, you know this radicalization and they are flushed with money so one is that then comes the politics i'll tell you very interesting uh, 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 it's a very interesting anomaly see uh, the after the rajender sachar committee report had come when upa one had come to par remember that a rajender sachar committee report had been set up uh, rajender sachar committee had been set up on the status of minorities now when they gave this report on you know especially the after that the kerala government Uh, formulated a policy for giving scholarships to minorities and 
interestingly it was written in the document that 80% of the scholarships will go to muslims and only 20% will go to basically christians the kerala high court struck that down some time back and has asked the government to come up with a new policy which they submitted to the court i believe in september and in that now based on the population so they have done kind of some reasoning but for years 80% of the minority scholarships going to muslims and 20% uh, to the christians and if you look at uh, if you look at you know uh, the uh, demography so it's the muslim population is i believe the the difference is about 5 to 7% i think about 18 to 19% is the christian population and about i think 23 to 27% is the muslim population so but you see the stark difference so it was the state which has been you know promoting uh, and as you have mentioned also uh, earlier the kind the incident which happened so the state has played a key role i would say unfortunately in terms of promoting indirectly the radicalization the left has used basically muslims and the radical muslim organizations for uh, electoral purposes we all know how the vote bank politics has happened uh, in india over the last so many decades where uh, uh, the appeasement of muslims became a major issue and uh, the kerala is a stark example of basically that and unfortunately congress which was because uh, see the rss might have uh, some work on the ground level there but the bjp uh, has we all know recently the elections of kerala assembly happened and so bjp doesn't have a footprint there in terms of you know electoral or in terms of driving the 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 policies at any level not even in municipality so it's it was a congress responsibility and congress failed because congress did an alliance with indian union muslim league and uh, it itself was basically a radical organization so all these things so this is another factor uh, what we have seen and uh, <clears throat> then uh, social media because kerala has a very high literacy rate and uh, there have been st uh, some studies also regarding that the listeners can find it uh, on internet and uh, it has been mentioned by Nas Na i believe national investigation agency also the social media has played a major role uh, in getting you know the youth uh, in kerala hooked on to the radical uh, propaganda so that's another factor basically in fact if you look at the data the largest number of uh, observer research foundation has a very interesting uh, research paper on this it's there on the website so i was going through that and uh, the largest number of recruits or people who went to join isis uh, they were from basically kerala and that had sent the alarm bells ringing the as i had mentioned earlier the outgoing uh, dgp loknath behra so he also mentioned about this and that was one of the defining moments also in uh, terms of radicalization in recent times in kerala but the government has tried to look at the other way as i just mentioned in the beginning of the conversation that the chief minister is not ready to even recognize that uh, there are sleeper cells there and the police chief is saying that there are sleeper cells there so and the kind of in, in, 
if there are no sleeper cells how come so many uh, people are going to isis so it's a uh, i think the uh, this state of denial by the state just because you know you want to score brownie political points and last but not the least i'll tell you another interesting thing that uh, recently uh, i think it was in september probably uh, you will find that in indian express the very interesting story and it was carried by other newspapers also the cpm uh, had circulated uh, an internal note in which it accepted that there is a growing radicalization uh, in uh, kerala and especially amongst the youth and to and and from uh, you know creating kind of a terror apparatus perspective so the C- and it needs to be tackled so they have or they have recognized it in and an internal note also so it's basically dekho kartik ye waisa hi hai ki agar billi ke samne kabutar aankh band karke baitha hai aur ye soch raha hai ki billi use dekhegi nahi aur khani so it is a case like that it, everybody accepts that there has been radicalization but there are multiple factors so it has to be dealt at you know multiple level so that's that's my argument okay uh, on you know on this uh, on this i would like to bring in jaydeep uh you know jaydeep before you respond uh w- with your perspective please uh, also uh, account for what i said that is it because that there is an inter community rivalry in context of uh the way i wouldn't use the word church but the christian communities its relative prosperity its relative presence in various political parties and then the you know with the muslim community coming on its own in terms Uh, of other educational and economic institutions but not uh, and with the consequent radicalization also so both things happening simultaneously assertion socially economically and a radicalization which is globally linked i think that it's a little more complicated than that which is why you know i'm a little wary of sort of really looking at one aspect or uh, as the dominant aspect because kerala is a very very complicated um, society uh and i don't think that you know what arun said you know of of uh, of this increased uh, sort of radical uh, tendency for to towards radicalization and, and so on it is i understand that this is happening now but it is not new and that there are various aspects that sort of contribute to how this othering is happening you know and again i i have to stress that this is not new the one thing that i agree with arun about is that that this is deeply rooted in uh, in kerala politics so in fact I, i would imagine that that has a greater role to play than societal differences or cultural differences and so on which is the point that i made earlier so one of the things that maybe we should look at as a um, in a sense as a as something that sort of representative of the problem is kannur uh, because kannur is unique in the sense that it has seen political violence between the left and the rss for a very very long time and it's almost uh, it it's it's almost second nature to to sort of expect something like this this kind of sectarian uh, rife to occur in 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 kannur but you know it all kannur also gives you an, an understanding of how kerala society sort of arranges itself you know so uh, take a look at the constituency and take a look at the people who are um, dominant within kannur okay so you have the tiyas um and the tia community is a community that both the um rss as well as uh, the left 
has tried to woo simply because without them you can't really uh, have any kind of a dominant role to play within that uh, within that region and because of this you have entire political families so it doesn't even matter what you subscribe to as far as culture is concerned what really matters is which political family you were born into and all and almost all the strife that has taken place in um, in uh, kannur and by the way this this is not even recent this dates back to the 1920s all the way up uh, to the 1980 early 1980s when the violence that took place in 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 kannur was actually actually political violence between uh, two factions which were completely ideologically uh, on opposite sides but you had people who were from different faiths uh, who had subscribed to a particular political ideology and uh, who were battling it out so what has happened since then is that it's not that the rss has done a little amount of work i don't think that i entirely agree with that because i think that the rss has had a a, a significant role to play in how uh, we built the tension to where it is now it's just that i think it has reached a flash point uh, and uh, the 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 fact the fissures are growing far more because inequality has grown far more and also i think that this there there has been a concerted campaign to step up uh, this or at least to accelerate the divisions between the two communities because uh, the divisions between the two communities is uh, in a place like kannur for instance has been fostered but it has never been as bad as it is now the point i am trying to make is that um, the uh, this was set up by the rss it was picked up by the bjp and the schism has grown simply because there's an accelerated political reason in order for there to be an other and for there to be a divide between communities in kerala so that um, the point i want to make if i if, if i have to say it up front is that this was begun by uh, the rss it has been accelerated by the bjp in the recent past and it's only growing arun how do you respond to it and i would just add that because now there is a bjp has now nationally demanded that there should be a genocide memorial in kerala arun yeah i i think uh, you know this has not been the i always say this kartike this has uh, there's nothing new in this actually uh, and uh, we have uh, you know the rss has been saying this uh, and has been raising this issue in fact uh, you know uh, not and and not only uh, the hindu nationalist forces they have been basically raising this issue in fact savarkar has written a complete novel on this called mopla it is one of the and that was one of the first books which actually uh, brought this whole tragedy uh, you know into focus uh, in the mainstream so uh, one is that second is that right now abhi kya ho gaya kartike ki log na rss ki baatein wahi hoti thi pehle jaise abhi मोहन भागवत जो सत्संग चालक है उनका एक बयान आया था कि मुस्लिम्स और हमारे हिंदुओं का डीएनए एक है तो उसको लेके बड़ी कंट्रोवर्सी हुई और मैं इसका कॉन्टेक्स्ट आपको सिर्फ इसलिए ये दे रहा हूँ कि बात पहले भी यही कही जाती थी 1971 में जो दूसरे सत्संग चालक थे सेकेंड आर एस एस चीफ ही जिलानी मुस्लिम जर्नलिस्ट और वो ऑर्गेनाइजर में छपा था 
वीकली में जो आरएसएस से इंस्पायर्ड वीकली है और उसमें भी उन्होंने एग्जैक्टली exactly वही बात कही थी जो मोहन भागवत ने अभी कही थी पर अब क्या है कि बिकॉज द बीजेपी इज इन पावर दी आर एस एस इज कंसिडर्ड टू बी द आइडियोलॉजिकल मेंटोर ऑफ बीजेपी बीजेपी इज एक्सपैंडेड अलॉट एंड इज एट देंटर ऑफ यू नो दोलिटिकल डिस्ट्रिक्ट सिस्टम जो है सबसे पावरफुल और बड़ी पार्टी हो गई है तो अब ये बातें ज्यादा नोटिस होती ये ऐसा नहीं है कि कोई नई बात जो है वो उसमें थोड़ी बहुत चीजें जैसे मेमोरियल बनाने वाली बात है या कुछ ऐसी चीजें जो वो एक दो चीजें आ जाती है नहीं बट लार्जर जो आर्गुमेंट है वो तो शुरू से रहा है आरएसएस का और दूसरा मुझे ये लगता है कि इसको बहुत ज्यादा पॉलिटिक्स के साथ जोड़ के नहीं देखना चाहिए जो है क्योंकि देखिये एक में और मिथ जो है ना कि जहाँ पे भी आरएसएस बहुत स्ट्रॉन्ग होता है वहां पे बीजेपी को इलेक्टोरल बेनिफिट होता है और आरएसएस कुछ करता है तो उसके मैं दो एग्जांपल आपको बताना चाहता हूँ एक तो केरल आपके सामने है आरएसएस का बहुत अच्छा नेटवर्क है वहाँ स्ट्रॉन्ग नेटवर्क है लेकिन बीजेपी इज नॉट एबल टू मेक द डेंट दूसरा आप खुद कार्तिके जो है लंबे समय से पॉलिटिक्स कवर कर रहे हैं नागपुर जहाँ आर का हेडक्वार्टर है वो सीट आर तब तक नहीं जीत बीजेपी तब तक नहीं जीत पाई जब तक कांग्रेस के एक स्टॉलवर्ट बनवारी लाल पुरोहित जो है वो बीजेपी में नहीं आ गए तो जहां नागपुर में हेडक्वार्टर है वो सीट जो है बीजेपी लगातार हार रही थी चुनाव में तो इसलिए इसको आरएसएस कुछ करेगा और ये इससे इलेक्टोरल गेन होगा तो उससे जोड़ के मुझे लगता है कि नहीं देखना चाहिए तो मेरा मेरी तरफ से मेरा ये कहना before i take the you know closing comment uh, from both of you uh, there is a question i have and you can treat it like a uh, you know a closing uh, closing comment uh, do, do you do you feel that there is some sort of a competition uh, as you said in your previous answer between the two religions uh, in kerala which is uh, islam and christianity is, is that and that competition is also being reflected through political process i mean it is definitely a factor to be considered but you know i would actually sort of uh, you know i i want to sort of you know build a uh, sort of build a clarification into what i said i didn't really mean uh, political gains just within the state although that obviously is one consequence i think kerala is being used as a, a means a tool to develop a larger narrative that's the point i was and uh, to develop a larger political narrative that's the point i was trying to make maybe i should have sort of been a little more specific about it and i'll give you an example of again mangalore because it's i i i always look at these two or at least this contiguous uh, um, konkan coast as an example of how these divisions have taken place so if you take a look at mangalore for instance uh, the idea of uh, uh, this love jihad for instance actually was birthed in uh, in mangalore you know when you had these uh, so called fringe groups like sri ramasena and, and so on um who uh, went about uh, you know pubs in bangalore in mangalore and then they started you know grabbing hold of uh, uh, of of girls or boys that they thought were immoral and also obviously 
Muslim boys who they thought or who they claimed were, uh, in a sense, trying to convert or trying to win over uh, Hindu girls. So this was a concept that was birthed in in Mangalore. But the thing is that it was birthed in Mangalore, like as though Mangalore was a lab, lab, but it was then exported to the rest of the country and it became part of the larger narrative of othering a community. So the point I'm trying, and this was obviously for political gain. The point I'm trying to make is that uh, this kind of othering that is happening need not necessarily be for political gains within Kerala alone. A much larger political purpose. So I'll give you one one example, uh, which is in fact one of the debates that we picked up as part of our news narrative debate format this morning, which is that um, you know the admissions that are happening in Delhi. There is an allegation that 95% of students who are getting in with this 100% cutoff marks are from Kerala. And uh, one of the professors actually pointed to the fact that um, that there is something fishy here. And that there is a Marx Jihad, is the term that he used, that, uh, that is being mounted. Now, this is, in a sense, taking a narrative that is being built in a state like Kerala and mounting it at a national stage. And I think that is what is happening. And I think that that is essentially the political purpose and the political strategy that is being developed around uh, Kerala. Those are essentially my uh, closing comments. Uh, Arun, to you. Uh, because uh, I think Jaydeep has a point in context of uh, what's happening in Kerala uh, will have a will resonate outside. You know, it's not necessarily limited to a place. It is going to have a national impact. Arun, Arun, yeah. देखिए एक तो कार्तिके मेरा अपना मानना ये है कि हिंदुस्तान की जो जनता है आम जनता ना वो बहुत समझदार है अगर ग्राउंड लेवल पे कोई डेवलपमेंट हो नहीं रही है तो आप किसी चीज को किसी भी एक ये ये थ्योरेटिकली कहना मुझे लगता है मैं थोड़ा अपने फेलो पैनलिस्ट जो हैं उनसे थोड़ा सा डिसएग्री करूंगा तो ये वैसे थ्योरेटिकली कहना तो बड़ा आसान होता है कि एक जगह एक मॉडल तैयार किया और उसे पूरे देश में एक्सपोर्ट कर दिया पर ये इतना आसान होता नहीं है करना जो है तो कार्तिक मैं दो मिनट के बाद इस सवाल का जवाब दू क्योंकि मैं अभी कहीं से गुजर रहा हूँ और वहां पर म्यूजिक बहुत तेज चल रहा है तो आप अगर तब तक अगला एक सवाल ले लें जो है तो वो अच्छा रहेगा ऐसा है कि कोई भी चीज इस देश में कोई भी ऐसी पोलिटिकल पार्टी नहीं है ना ही इस देश के अंदर कोई ऐसा संगठन है या कुछ वो है एक सौ तीस करोड़ की जनता को जो बेवाकूफ बना सकते If there is something happening on the ground, you will have receptivity on the ground. If there is something not on the ground, you just cannot create it and basically export it to other states. So, ये social phenomena से जब आप affect होते हैं, तभी आप उसे accept करते हैं. तो इसलिए मैंने आपको बताया कि फर्क सिर्फ ये है कि पहले भी ये चीजें होती थीं, लेकिन अब recognition इसका ज़्यादा होना शुरू हो गया क्योंकि जो लोग पहले इसकी आवाज़ इसको लेकर उठाते थे, आज वो एक मजबूत position में हैं. खासकर देश की नीतियां जहां तक बनाने की बात है या नीतियों को प्रभावित करने की बात है इसलिए आज ये लोगों को नई चीज लग रही है पहले जो सो कॉल्ड मुख्य धारा का मीडिया मेन स्ट्रीम मीडिया है उसने कभी इन चीजों पे ध्यान दिया नहीं जो है ये बातें पहले भी हो रही थी और ये ये घटनाएं पहले भी जैसे जयदीप जो उन्होंने कहा कि ये कोई नया फिनोमिना नहीं है तो ये पहले भी था और ये पहले मुद्दे उठाए जा रहे थे लेकिन 
लोग इसको वो नहीं कर रहे थे तो मेरा क्लोजिंग कॉमेंट ये है कि स्टेट ऑफ डिनाइल में हमें नहीं रहना चाहिए और पॉलिटिकल नजरिए से हट के थोड़ा सा देश के नजरिए से समाज के नजरिए से सामाजिक समरसता के नजरिए से देखना चाहिए तो क्योंकि रेडिकलाइजेशन ऑफ इस्लाम एक वाकई पूरी दुनिया में भी एक बड़ा मुद्दा है केरल में भी एक बड़ा मुद्दा है तो इसको एड्रेस करना जरूरी तो दैट्स इट फ्रॉम थैंक यू अरुण एंड थैंक यू जयदीप बोथ ऑफ यू फॉर ज्वाइनिंग मी द होल पर्पस ऑफ दिस कॉन्वर्सेशन वॉज दॉट ऑफ इशूज विच केम अप इन लास्ट ट्वेंटी फाइव डेज इन केरला फॉर अ वेरी सीनियर फंक्शन टू यूज दर्ड नारकोटिक जिहाज एंड देन द सॉर्ट ऑफ पोलिटिकल चेंजेस विच आर हैपनिंग विच आर वेरी एविडेंट इन द फंक्शन ऑफ टू मेन पोलिटिकल पार्टीज एंड सेकेंडली the seminar which was being uh, which was held in new delhi uh, on uh, uh, mopla rebellion and uh, sort of a different uh, sort of narration uh, which uh, uh, which was presented just goes on to show that there are certain old controversies uh, they have a political context uh, they have uh, they, they 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 get also utilized for uh, uh, contemporary politics but nonetheless Uh, yes, I do agree with uh, Jaydeep that it's well. It has a ramification outside, and Arun, with you, that nothing can be created unless and until there is social uh, reception. Unless and until there is some organic reception to that issue. So, thank you very much. We'll be back next week with uh, one such issue on which uh, there is a big debate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Karthik.